it's the first thing that I hear is that, well, if I let my employees work from home, how do I know they're not doing the laundry in the middle of the day? I'm like, they are. And that's, and that's amazing. What you should be more concerned about is that they're working way more hours than they should be. Because from all of our collective experience, we've found that that's been the hardest thing to manage. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Uh, so, Jason, we have a, a special guest with us uh, this week. Um, so we're joined by Matt Barnett, who is the CEO of Bonjoro. Uh, Bonjoro is a company that is disrupting business communication with personalized video emails. They believe that video is a huge um, is a huge lever to bring the human element back to business. And their motto is automate processes, not relationships. So Matt and Bonjoro are based in Sydney, Australia, but uh, they have employees um, around the world. Um, so Matt, welcome. Hey guys, it's awesome to be here. Great, great. Um, so we just gave a quick uh, intro there, but we'd love to, to start off and you know, just kind of you know, have you tell maybe a little bit more of some of your experience, um, share maybe some things. I know I kind of glossed over it. Um, I would love to to hear the inspiration for Bonjoro because if I if I'm correct, I believe it uh, the inspiration came from uh, from a surfing trip. Yeah, so I uh, I'm actually British originally, lived in Australia now for eleven years. Um, moved here, was trying to start a, a business in the UK, um, and yeah, I'm a big surfer, so I was surfing off off the uh, islands of Scotland and off Wales. I think it was one like February morning and it was we were out in the water and it was hailing so hard we had to come in and hide under our boards on this cold Scottish beach and it put holes in my board the hail was so hard and it took us about an hour to get our gloves off and, and get going I just thought you know what enough but <laughs> 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 yeah you know, like, it was a split decision I was like you know what I'm, I'm going to Australia this is a uh, I'm done here um so moved here um, fell into so I'm actually a designer, uh, industrial designer. So I used to design like vehicles, mobile phones, like medical equipment. So very much not tech. Um, came to Australia, uh, being quite an isolated continent, especially you know 12 years ago when there when there was no Kickstarter. Um, design wasn't a big industry here, so I fell into um, tech, uh, which was kind of just getting going here. If you look at designing products and look at designing like online products, same process at the end of the day, you know, the only difference is, is that if somebody turned off a switch, everything we built online would, uh, would go away. Um, but, um, we built a company and we started servicing clients, um, around the world. So we ended up working with large agencies. So customers in the UK, so London, New York, Paris, the problem in Australia is that if you have leads come in, you're always asleep because we're like 24 hours, like 12 hours out of sync. Um, 
So a bit of a challenge in terms of conversion. Um, we used to take a boat to work that goes across Sydney Harbour and goes past the Opera House, which is a, which is a pretty nice lo- location and stuff. So we were trying to mix things up to try and convert more leads. And I thought, you know what, I'll just send a video to every single person who, si- who comes into our funnel at nighttime and I'll do it on the boat in front of the Opera House because, hey, you know, who else can do that? So I pull out my smartphone. This is about probably four years ago. And I would get the front of the boat about 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning, because I'm quite early riser. So it'd be, it'd be half dark. I'd be half asleep. We go up the party opera house and I we built a little hack where I'd see that, you know, um, John Butcher from um, Ogilvy in London signed up. And so I'd get on my phone and do a video for John and say, hey, John, I saw you signed up last night from London. Yeah, obviously, I'm definitely not in London. This is the opera house. Um, you know, we, we've already worked with these other people who I know you know. We've worked on the, on this client account and this client account, like Budweiser, who I see you work on, et cetera, et cetera. Um, obviously, we're based here, but I will be in London in four weeks' time. Why don't I come in and show you more of what we do? And we would package that up and send it out. It was very manual at the beginning. We started to build a little bit of a process to get going. But the first piece of comms they would ever get would be me on this boat, 5.30 in the morning, going past the upper house saying hi. <laughs> And we like we like tripled our conversion rates like straight away. And so we tripled the, the demos we did. And look, look, and we were good at sales and we had a good product. And so we ended up tripling the business like straight away. And so we carried on and we thought, you know, well done for us. You know, next next test, pa- pass in the back, you know, ne- next thing. Um, but ultimately, one of those clients asked if they could use this. And we were like, go ahead, use it with your customers. And then they started sending these out. And then one of their customers came in. They were like, oh, can we use this? And we're like, sure. One of their customers asked. One of their customers asked, and next thing you knew, we we kind of we kind of put a we we put a price tag on it, and people started paying, and we're like, "Hey, I like money." <laughs> and then um, it 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 only took it only took the original business in like twelve months, um, and then just kept going. So that's that's, that's awesome. kind of how it all started. Yeah, that's amazing how how often that seems to happen when you're open to those to those opportunities. Um, and, and anecdotally, it, it doesn't surprise me. I, so we, we tend to work with very large brands um, and in, in our industry. And I, I think just in general, we've been brainwashed to think that, you know, you have to keep it um, business to business. It's, you know, very staunch, like written rules for how things are done. But what we quickly found out is that it's people and people crave that that human connection. And I've seen that when we open up and share photos of where we're working with, um, we're from with our, our clients, it's amazing how much it resonates with them. And video, I'm sure, just takes that to a completely whole different level. Like, like it, it's, it's nothing new. I mean, you guys know this, yeah? Like, go back in time, like 20, 30 years, you know, you, you, your butcher or your, or your baker knew exactly what you wanted every day. You go and you have a conversation. Like, like we still do it today. Australia is a big um, coffee culture, so... You know, you know your barista, and if your barista moves coffee shops, you, you'll follow them because you're not just going for the coffee; you're going for, for the for, yeah, for the for the conversation too. Yeah. So it's not different to that. Video is just, I think, especially like mo- mobile data catching up and allowing us to do video anywhere. And there's also a bit of a learned habit now that we're more comfortable getting on video. It's it's just the next best thing to to, to being there in person. You know? Yeah, I fully agree. And and as a side, I, I just I, I didn't even realize that there was a surfing culture in the UK. So you learn something new every day. It's, a, <laughs> it's very it's very underground. They did um was it last year? They they no, a couple of years ago, somebody in the west coast of Ireland dropped into a fifty six foot wave. So the world tour started going there. Uh, but um it's it's not warm. 
Let's put it that way. That's what I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine it's uh, it's it's quite different than surfing in Australia. I'm sure. <laughs> no um, sharks though, so you know. I guess landing. that's a I guess that's a plus. Um, what what part of the UK were you uh, originally from? Uh, I'm from the Midlands, so a place called Shropshire. So about as far from the coast as you can get in the UK. Uh, but did like nine years in London, as everyone okay. in the UK does. You that's know. part of the trip. You 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 kind of go down there and cut your teeth there. Like like I guess in the states, if like you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. That's it. Yeah, like 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 it's yeah. States you've always got a few options like Chicago, West Coast, East Coast, the UK. It's it's pretty much London or it used to be. Things are going to change now. Uh, yeah. I think work's going to become more distributed, but back in the day, that was what you did. Yeah. So speaking of things changing, I'm I'm guessing you guys have probably seen a massive explosion of of your usage of your your platform with everyone being remote for for the time being, both uh, from a workforce perspective and from just communicating with with customers. And I'm interested in, I guess, one understanding. You know, are are you seeing that trend where people are looking to video? I mean, we've obviously followed the whole everyone's doing zoom as a way to connect but are, are you also seeing a similar spike um and i guess two i'm interested in what you're seeing from from companies because i see i see two distinct camps um i see a lot of large businesses that are trying to pretend to be personal but you can tell they're running everything through corporate pr and legal and it comes out anything but personal and i see others that tend to be winning right now that are put it, taking their guard down and saying let's let's expose who we are let's be authentic let's be real yeah so like to that last point first like, like it, it, it's a culture thing at the end of the day the way we work um like a lot like most messaging we do is one-to-one -one. We, do, we do have kind of mass messaging tools and we have like you can save videos on screen recording and stuff but but the core of it is the one-to-one -one stuff and ultimately if you as a culture are not willing to let your employees do that properly um it's probably not going to work for you yes so we have large organizations using it, but they tend to be alignment, aligned. We we have had other enterprise clients who are essentially like, well, how do we, how do we control this? And I'm like, at the end of the day, guys, it, you know, you need to trust, yeah, you need to let down the barriers. I think that's going to change. I think consumers are driving this, or customers, whether you're, whether you're B2B or B2C, are driving that shift where for transparency and trust. Like, there's been a lot of chat the last couple of years around around trust around companies online and I think it's, it's yeah. come to the forefront in a massive way and so companies that can't adapt to that not all companies to be honest but a lot of companies who can't adapt to that are gonna face challenges and hardships and ultimately their competitors who who are transparent are gonna win you know and everyone had like it's easy it's, it's easier to compete now more than ever um so look I, I mean look, this is just this is a, a general trend trend this is nothing to you know, just video i think the whole idea of putting down the barriers there you know, we don't have to wear a suit and tie anymore you know we want to connect personally we understand and we're okay now the fact that you know a corporate you know, lawyer is actually you know a family man with with three kids and a dog you know and mm -hmm. unlike unlike studio surfing like, like, like that's that's good and that helps connect and we find that that doesn't ruin the the his professionalism whereas it used to be suit and tie and you know these walls so like it's just a general trend. I think people are fed up of of not being able to trust or not being able to read the companies they work with. Um, so I would hope this is going to continue. Um, in, in terms in terms of video, yeah, look, we like doubled everything. Like within a month, like everything went up by twice. So it's so a usage went up, daily active users went up, um, videos being sent, and it's, and it's kept growing. Um, 
I think it's interesting. There's, there's a lot of talk around like dealing with team um, remote, you know, um, but I think there's a lot of, there's probably not as much around dealing with customers remote. So Zoom calls are obviously growing, but then if you can't have coffee meetings or you can't have quick catch-ups, like what, what comes next? Because all those subtle interactions, you know, are part of a lot of, especially in services industries and uh, say on the corporate side, it's part of day-to-day business. So it's growing. I think a lot of people have been forced into it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's what I was going to bring up is I think that a lot of these things we're being forced into. And I think we're going to look back on it and say, why didn't we wait to be forced into it? Like, as you said, like these things aren't necessarily new. We could have and should have been using these approaches a long time ago. But I guess whether it's working remotely, using video more heavily or other things, I guess being forced into it ultimately isn't a bad thing because it's going to end up exposing a lot of people to it that otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to it. Yeah, look, look, and it was always coming. Look, adopter curves, human adopter curves are like aren't, aren't that quick. Like we all like to believe that we're on things straight away, but but things take a long time. Like so, video's been in mobile, and we and we were playing around in it like ten years ago. It was I think when the first kind of video cameras came out on, on the early iPhones. So it's been there a while. It takes a while for us to get into it. We're still not there yet. Most people still haven't. Most people still aren't sending videos on, on a regular basis or getting on Zoom calls on a regular basis. Obviously, a lot of us business owners uh, and, and drivers are. Um, but this has forced that hand. We've had to do it. It's going to like it's more opportunity like than anything because it means now it opens up where you can work and how remote working goes uh, without the challenge of you know I guess being isolated. Like like we, we can start to talk now a lot easier. It opens up efficiencies like at the end of the day. 20 minute zoom call versus a, a coffee plus chat plus plus transport so much quicker and more effect, effective um for team same kind of thing um transparency as well i think i i, I think having little windows into people's lives is, is is a beautiful thing again you know like i like i was talking about like my lawyer um the other day and the end day like he's in his kitchen with like with his kids and dogs like running around his feet and i'm like this is it's, this it's is amazing, amazing right and I'm like, I'm like, I have kids, like I have kids too. Yeah, this is great. You know, like, and we start joking about that, and it just, I'm like, yeah, great. This, yeah, this guy's a family man. Yeah, which, which I am, and and you relate more straight away. Like personally, I like it. Yeah, it, 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 there's less to hide behind. Yeah, I, I I agree. I was thinking about it the other day. So um, I'm 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 a a Peloton subscriber. Um, I have the bike. Um, which is coming in very handy now. <laughs> um, but uh, they recently sent out an email saying, you know, we've closed down our studio in New York. We're not doing any live classes. Everything's on demand. Um, but now we have instructors that, at least for now, uh, are going to be recording sessions in their homes. And I took a couple uh, spin classes recorded from people's homes. I'm like, never go back to the studio. This is amazing. Like, I feel so much more connected and like, these are actual real people. And, you know, yeah. like, oh, hey, I have a, you know, something on the wall that looks like that. The, the ability to connect is so much greater than, even though I was seeing them on video before, seeing them in a more natural setting, just, I don't know, it just, it created that human bond. And there's a nice thing here is that, Again, like, like not not to hark on about the times, but we all everyone's in this together, and 
it's things like this that bring people closer, you know, obviously wars and strife and challenge. So it's not like it's just you doing it. Everyone's in together. Everyone's got a shared experience, which is, you know, again, shared shared things that we have now in common and that we can relate to. So it's, it's like, if anything, it's making relating to other people easier now, you know, again, like, I, I think times like this bring, bring humanity closer and, and, and it helps break those barriers down because everyone's like, well, well, here we go. This is it, you know, it's fine to do yeah. this. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'd like to drill a little bit more into your platform and what you've learned about consumer behavior, you know, from an analytics perspective, it's something that we're insanely interested in about is how consumers interact with technology. Um, it, it sounds like, so we've, we've talked a lot about video, but it sounds like there's, there's other pieces to it. I think you mentioned like a trigger behavior where you can align things with certain actions is, did I, did I hear that correctly? That that's part of what you, your platform does. Yeah, so we only really function, well, 95% of our customers use us um, by plugging us into their other customer data sources. So CRMs, obviously like your Salesforce, MailChimp, um, like e email lists, EDMs, th even things like Patreon uh, and Shopify. So we do a lot, a lot of e-commerce. So the idea is wherever your customers live, these video, so we are an, an asynchronous video messaging platform. So you're sending uh, you're recording a video and sending it out and it's generally done in response to a customer behavior so a new lead comes in and you're welcoming a new lead on board a new paid customer comes on board and you're looking to make sure that customer is properly set up and therefore activated so they don't churn later on uh, maybe a user has lapsed so you, you've lost contact or they look like they are a danger of churning and you're checking in and making sure and trying to rescue them or you're trying to drive uh, reviews at a certain year at, at the one year um annual kind of turnover piece. So these videos are being sent in response to users hitting certain milestones or, or completing certain behaviors, which is driven by, by CRM or, or data source. And so when you're sending these, the reason is to get the user to the next point on the funnel. So if it's leads, obviously you're driving them to book a call, do a demo, complete this part of the setup that you can see they haven't done from their interaction in your, in your service you know, leave review, do a purchase review, a, a document, whatever that is. Um, so again, when you that, you, you're driving the next behavior and then that again is tracked through. Um, but the idea is that you're being notified at the right time to send these. So it's not, it's not an off the cuff free form messaging piece. It, it's very much part of a funnel uh, and part of a conversion piece. Got it. So where, where do you typically inject that in? So if let's take an example, if I'm on a website and I'm filling out a lead form, is it, is it presented within the user flow? Is it something that um, would be created or are assets sitting aside that would be emailed to me in video form? How, how typically is that presented? So usually sent through so email. So, you know, depends on the customer. We, we suggest the ideal time to send these is kind of like one to four hours after a trigger's happened. Depending on trigger, so so lead, leads leads is really where, where time is important. So if you're filling out a lead form, uh, and this is where we kind of run the analysis, um, highest open rates, highest view rates are one to four hours. Um, the one hour is probably a bit of an average, and I think it's because obviously you fill out a lead form, you're often getting some kind of drip sequence coming through anyway, and so you don't want to have a couple of emails landing at once. Uh, if it's an hour later, then someone checks in, and they can also that because we feed off a data source or a CRM let's say you're not your lead form, let's say you've signed up to a software platform and you've obviously played around, we pull information from the CRM so when the person does that video, they, they can see, hey, look, you've done 
you've done the onboarding steps one to five, but you actually haven't done step six, which is really important. So then when, when they send a video, probably the best thing they're going to do is ask you to do step six because they know that's going to lead to a converted user. Right. What, um, what are you seeing from um, kind of a take rate perspective? I'm sure it's wildly different across industries, but one of the things that um, I can, I guess, compare it to that we've seen that I think we've become so accustomed to that when we catch it out of our periphery, we just automatically click as the little chat box in the right-hand corner. We've become so accustomed to closing that without even looking at it. You know, we've seen data that, I mean, very low single digits of those being interacted with, assuming that, that video has a much higher interaction rate. So across the board, and we have a huge range of industries, the open rates are 70 to 80%. So average is probably around about 73, 74. Um, some customers end up with 98% somehow. Um, look, I think, I think there's a couple of things here. It is being done in response to a trigger. So there's a natural bias there is that it's, again, it's not just a random drip email or like here's a blog for the random day of the month. It's being done following an action, yeah? So obviously you're, you're hitting engaged users at that point. Um, interestingly, it's going for email uh, and still working well. We do a lot of work on inboxing um, around that. I think, so when the emails come through that we're not embedding videos, they're actually presented as like a, like a moving gift. So people are kind of waving. It's quite unique, it's quite interesting. And I do think that once what we've seen is that once somebody's watched one of these, they're actually far more likely to go and watch others because most people, the vast majority of people using this and sending it are good actors. Because again, if you're, it's, it's not about so much the video, the fact that if you're stopping for a minute in a day and saying, hey, Jenny, saw you sent up from Utah, you know, wonderful to have you on board. You know, I see you've done X, Y, like it's quite a feel good thing. Um, it's generally not something that's faked. It's done the right way. People are pretty genuine. So the experience is very enjoyable for the end user. It's, it's quite different. And again, it connects them with, with the company. Um, so from what we can see, if someone opens and they keep opening more, um, yeah, so 70, 80%. Uh, open rates, depending on the industry. Oop, I've just lost your audio. That's because I was on mute. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and pull up one of these emails I got. I think yesterday or the day before. I'm wondering if now they're using their your platform. Uh, I got this email um, from a third party um, solution that one of our clients uses and they've had a change in account management and this email is introducing the new account manager and there's a uh, animated gif of him in the email smiling like waving like i'm your new account manager and it links to uh it links to uh, some more content um yeah i'm seeing it it it, it more and more um and I, again it's one of those things and kind of looking at jim it's one of those things i'm kicking um myself though like we've never done you know it just seems like such a, a no-brainer obvious approach to connect especially for you know companies like us where we work with lots of clients but it's 100 percent remote and um even if we do go see clients maybe it's once a year um yeah. it seems like such a no-brainer to integrate video content into our our messaging strategy but so it's not here's the thing yeah so it video is is the medium so i think there's a challenge where everyone goes off oh, video and they just lump everything into video fair enough Vi yeah, like, 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 right, like, you know, a written email is not the same as a blog, whatever. Yeah. So like video, different types of video, different points on the funnel. This is very much a communication piece. Again, the reason these work, I would suggest is the video makes transparent and real, but it's really the fact that you're stopping 
for albeit only a minute um to even check in with with leads yeah that's the thing like like, like t- taking the time and when someone's shopping around looking at a number of of uh of solutions or customers and then one of them reached out and they're like hey we, we have time for you that's the piece that's actually working so yes video is amazing for this um but again it's, it's, it's the fact that you actually do care and that you're willing to stop that's the thing that really ends up making the conversion piece yeah um how many of your um clients are also using the platform to do i guess personalized messages like you know, if you sign a new client or you have a new buyer that you they're sending personalized, hey, thank you for shopping with us or thank you for, you know, um, becoming a, a client. Is, is that, are you seeing that trend as well? Yeah, yeah. And again, though, again, they're back to the first point. This is done for a reason. So yeah. they might be like, thanks for becoming a client. So like take SaaS, you know, thanks for becoming a customer. Now, most of your churn in SaaS will come from people or a high percentage will be people who, Although they're a paying customer, they're actually not set up or engaged correctly. Um, online courses faces too. So someone signs up and buys an online course and all the best meaning in the world, they don't end up reading it or getting engaged with it. And so what they're doing here is saying, look, thanks so much for coming on as a customer. By the way, I saw you still haven't done this. Here's the you know minimal next step to take. Um, like we see like e-commerce is an interesting one that we never expected would, would be like a big transfer list, but where they're using it um, is post-delivery doing a follow-up a couple of days later and saying, hey, I want to check in that you've received X, Y, Z. Um, is everything to, to your satisfaction? Are you happy with it? Um, by the way, reviews mean a lot to us. There's a link on this video to our Trustpilot page. Go, go and leave us a review. And that's crazy because it, it's post-sale. So really the, you know, the reason is they're checking in to you know, excel at customer support. But but the, you know, the back-end reason is, is to drive reviews. And then obviously, because if you do this as well, the chance of someone returning and repeat purchasing is much higher because I go, oh, the, the, this is this is a different experience. Again. Yeah, yeah, no, understood. Um, and and I'm gonna plug a video because I want Jim to include it in the show notes. Um, so a a, uh, a nonprofit that I think does communication and video really really well is Charity Water. Um, and I did a birthday campaign for them a long time ago. Um, and for their five-year anniversary, they shot a, um, video for me. So I, I promised that if I raised my goal, which was $5,000 that I would dress up in a tutu and take photos of it, (laughs) um, which I did. And I did, um, and, uh, charity water shot a thank you video saying, thank you for being a fundraiser for us. And they shot it wearing a tutu and it was amazing. And I still show people that video and it, I was already connected to the brand, but that just connection made it so real that I've gone back and done multiple campaigns and donations. And I'm, I'm now a monthly donor to, to charity water. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the medium, but it was, it was just this little special thing on top that, that made that connection. So I really just bring it up so Jim can go find the video and include it in the, in the show notes. Um, so I want to pivot a little bit to to remote work. So you operate 100% remote. Yeah. No, so so the way we do it, the way we had done prior to this is we're in. So we're not a huge team. We're uh, 12 full time. We're in six countries, um, which is 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 interesting. Uh, but the way we've done it is that we allow a bit of a hybrid model. So if team if certain team members want to have a co working space, we give them budget and they go in. So. Um, here, it's only really works so here in Australia, um, London, and the Philippines. 
the team might go into co-working a couple of days a week. Um, states, uh, Poland, South Africa is completely remote. Um, and it, it depends on the team member. It tends, it tends to be, as a broad rule, the more extroverted go do a few days in a, in a co-working space, the more introverted don't care and don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, that's a balance. It, it, it's, it's up to the team. Yeah, we don't have any full-time offices. Um, and I don't think we ever will do at this point. Um, it, it's been a learning curve. Yeah, for sure. It's not an overnight thing. No, it, it definitely isn't. Um, and I think even those uh, of us that have worked remote for a long time, we're still figuring things out. It's it's always a, a learning process. Um, interested now, has there been any major changes with uh, the global lockdowns and just the overall downturn and downturn in global uh, economies um has have there been unique challenges that you're facing as a leader uh with a team that's fully remote and uh what things are you doing i guess you differently or in addition to now the um, during the covid shutdowns to support your your remote team look so i i, th I think probably it's it's a it's a challenge in terms of personal on, on the personal side for for individual employees um so we as a business are doing fine um and that's and that's great but obviously out, outside of that uh again for the more extroverted i get harder harder not be able to get out i think for, i think for everyone to be honest i think everyone not be able to see family um is a stress you know um we've had team members who now know people who, who have it and have family members who have it uh like i mean thank god in australia it's 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 very mild but in other countries obviously um more extreme um you know our team in the philippines are like there's like lockdown with like army patrols on every road it's it, it's crazy mm -hmm. Um, so I think the personal aspect and especially, I think it probably hits the younger team members more. So those of us who've done our time in offices and done our time in the cities, it, you know, probably have families now. It's, it's not the end of the world for us. We, we're probably, we're more remote anyway. Um, you know, in Australia, we live on, you know, we live in Sydney, but we live on, on the side of national park. So it's, it's easier to get out. So that, that's less. So the guys in London who are stuck in like apartments in the middle of London where you get out and there's still 6 million people running around uh, much tougher. So I think there's a personal side, you know, I've seen like um, we tend to do calls uh, just for catch up reasons, you know, for nothing more than culture um, more often. Uh, and that's for a, um, like a kind of culture perspective, uh, people are more active on, on that side. Um, I think it's still, it's still hard. It's still hard to be aware of maybe which team members are finding it, are struggling more than others because this is one challenge with, with remote working um i mean like like i think every challenge with remote working comes down to communication like that's it if you can solve mm -hmm. communication you're good uh but because you're not in an office you can't see you don't see day to day maybe who's finding it harder and who needs some extra kind of tlc than than other ones so you've got to try and i think instill a shared understanding of everyone getting on calls together everyone connecting everyone supporting each other so that if anyone is having it, finding it harder, then regardless, like at some point, some team member is going to check in with every single person anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mo yeah. Um, look, as a result, I think it's just, yeah, I think it's a tough time. And then, and then, you know, you will see motivations change because of that. And you need to be fine with that. Like, like, you know, everyone's, everyone's going to have hard days right now. 
Yeah, agreed. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday and trying to balance it with there's a lot of voices right now saying like now's the time to, you know, hustle more than ever and, you know, learn a new language and do this. And I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity to, to pick up new skills, but it's also, you know, it's so exhausting not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. And uh, yesterday it was like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, I just don't have it. And I'm just going to go lay on the couch and watch reruns of Seinfeld and be okay with that. Like I, you know, I think it's okay to like let yourself because it is like this, this isn't normal working remote. I'm glad people get to experience the flexibility of working from home and what that looks like, but this is not normal working remote for sure. Yeah. And I was, um, I was chatting to my, my CTO the other day. He's, he's like, the challenge is, he's like, I find it hard because, you know, obviously things are tough right now and yet, you know, everyone's being expected to work harder. And I was like, no, no, I was like, no, no one's being expected to work harder. You just you'd be expected to be to work as hard as you did before this year. Like nothing has changed yet. Like you're not putting more energy in now, like like at all. Right. Um, just do the same thing that we did before. Which to be fair, as a SaaS company, everyone works pretty hard anyway. <laughs> but I was like, there's no, there's no acceleration here. Yeah. Like it may feel like that way, but actually, just 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 keep doing what we were doing before. There shouldn't be a change of pace. You know, you still get outside. Do like take your time. You know, because I think there's a danger when everyone's hanging around at home that. To be honest, people end up putting more hours into into work, yeah, because you can't switch off. And I'm like, I'm a firm believer that like balance is healthy. And at the end of the day, what you want is efficiency of work. Doing an extra ten hours, but like a zombie, isn't going to help anyone. No, no, and it's yeah, and it's an interesting discussion because when I talk with people that are anti-remote it's the first thing that i hear is that well if i let my employees work from home how do i know they're not doing the laundry in the middle of the day i'm like they are not and that's amazing what you should be more concerned about is that they're working way more hours than they should be because from all of our collective experience we've found that that's been the hardest thing to manage is separating work from from personal it's just always there the 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 draw of sitting down and, and hammering out more work is is there it's it's important to create that balance, um, especially if you're trying to build a sustainable company. Uh, it it could be uh, a very quick road to burnout um, if you don't figure out how to manage that. Yeah, like one hundred percent. Yeah. So like, again, the, the the way I see the benefit should be the people work the same amount of hours, but they're way more productive with those because they're taking breaks and they're mixing up their hours. If they have kids, they can spend time in the afternoon with their kids. Like like we we don't. We don't care at all when, when people work. Do not, don't care. Like as long as the work gets done, that's all that matters. Right. I, I, I think, I think learning to compartmentalize, as you said, is important. People need to have a different headspace. You know, some people do this by getting ready for the day and getting dressed up for work. You know, some people use different rooms. Um, I like to get up at you know five a.m. and do most of my work before nine a.m. in the morning. Uh, that's a great way to kind of get going. And then if I end up taking breaks in the afternoon, like I don't, I don't care. I'm like, it's fine. You know, the work's right. been done. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's learned behavior. I think, it, I think you need six, honestly, I think you need six months to kind of get your head around it. It took me like, a, I, I, I'm an extrovert. It took me like six months to really get productive at home. Cause at the beginning I was like, Where, where's all the people like, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and going back to an earlier point, and, and I think this is kind of pre-COVID type of things, we, we tend to um, think that the extrovert is the one we need to make sure that they have the out, outside influence. But I've, I've found that I'm an extreme introvert. 
um, that, that this current experience has taught me that like I crave that human connection as, as well. And I'm missing, you know, simple things like going out to, to restaurants. And um, it's something that I don't think we've spent enough time as a company addressing is supporting that, that need for that human connection, whether you're introverted or not, that it's important that we, we provide some kind of a support mechanism. So our, our team members know that it's okay to go out. In fact, we're encouraging you to, to get out um, for, for your mental health. Like we, you know, it's just not healthy to be locked up in your house working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No, I think, I think, I think, I think one thing is, I think the understanding of what makes introvert and extrovert is kind of crucial. My, the take that I use, which I think is the best is it's purely just where you get your energy from. It has nothing to do with social behavior That's at right. all. So if you're an introvert, you're self-generating. So you can sit in a room and you can, and your energy will build and you can put work in myself as an extrovert and i'm pretty much 100 percent. i just need to have movement and noise around me that i take my energy externally and bring that in and that gets me going if i'm in a quiet room i i go i wind down and go to sleep so it's nothing to do with how social we are you have the most social introverts ever it's purely yes. about where your energy comes from so understand that it's not about isolation no you're 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 spot on and and absolutely uh absolutely agree with that um I'm interested in um, a couple of things from a remote perspective. Um, what, what's one of the biggest things that you learned going into it that you didn't foresee um, running a remote company? So I think, so communication. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's it, yeah, like that's the bane of our life, yeah. So um, beware of Slack, of never ending Slack threads. <laughs> yep. You know? Yes. I think um, I think a behavior we're trying to get to, which we we still aren't at, we've been doing this a couple of years, is the the idea of being able to have a video call without it being a meeting. And so what I mean is here, you know, and obviously you'll turn around and say, hey, hey Jim, we'll, we'll have a look at this. What do you think? And then two minutes later, you're all back to work. Now, how do you get that kind of behavior when you're remote, where you can go, hey Simon, like hop on a call for two seconds, be like, look at this, and they go, yeah, 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 that's cool. Do this instead. And you go right, and then tell off, and then they keep working. There seems to be this, this built-up thing now where if you start, if you if you if you power up the video, it's gonna be a meeting, and you're sit there for half an hour. Yeah. Which is stupid, yeah. Like, um, so how do you do this on a more calm basis? I I, I think especially hard is with a team in different countries and different time zones. That's where that just exasperates. So, you know, do not fall into the trap of Slack because you you will hit frustrations and you'll hit conflict. You'll hit conflict. And if one of you is awake and one of you is asleep and you have to wait eight hours to get an answer, mm -hmm. you need to learn to, to just leave shit and um, assume the best of people. It's very easy to read into written words and go, this guy is being a bit of a douche. And the reality <laughs> is that person is just, just not very good at like yeah. with, write, with writing yet. They're not, yeah. they're, they're, not a, they're not a copywriter. No, that's great you know? advice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so kind of staying on the, the video piece, I'm, I'm interested in what you're seeing and what advice you have, you know, right now it's, I think a lot of people there's, there's pressure to connect. Um, we, we can connect a lot easier via video. I love being on video. I love having the video feed for, for our webinars, um, uh, for our podcasts, um, but we have people in our company and we also have clients um, and everyone's kind of going remote now and everyone's doing the Zoom thing. 
that don't like being on video. Um, how, how do you address that? What, what recommendations and feedback do you have for people that feel maybe now more than ever this pressure because everyone else has got their camera on, they, they feel pressure to turn it on, but they feel completely uncomfortable doing so. I think there's a couple of things here. I think in terms of customer cons, don't force it. If, if someone doesn't want to do video with customers, let them come to it in their own time. Um, look, team's different. Like you, like video is important. I think for those individuals, it, 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 it's understanding that video is the same as sitting around a desk. Like there's nothing, there's literally nothing, nothing different. You know, um, it's not about. It's not about. Uh, somebody mentioned this to me the other day. I, I really stuck. I, I think they were spot on. They said basically you've built video up to be a bit of a pedestal because our experience with video before recent years was always film and tv and movies and acting and that's built a preconception that basically when you're on video you're performing and it's not something you think about but i think i think they're right that it's a subtle it's a, it's a subconscious thought and so now as so i'm saying video is not just video it's purely a medium chatting like this, you know, if we were all sitting around a table, we'd be having the same conversation, you know, maybe we'd be sharing a, a beer or a coffee, it'd be a little bit different, but the same thing would be happening. So start with team. If you trust team, getting on video should be pretty easy. Start with people you trust. Um, if you have to force it from a team culture perspective, like do force it because it's important and people will get over it pretty quickly. Mm. Customer side, again, in people's own time, you know, ultimately, if someone in the team starts using video with customers and they get a load of success, people are going to go, oh, yeah, it, it's it's like, it's like, do you remember like when you go into like your first job and you have to do sales, you have to get on the phone and like people are super nervous about doing that. And then once you've done it a bit, you just get over it. Same, same process. Yeah, no, great advice. Um, what, what are you hoping to see as a positive um, coming out of um, I, I guess what we call the COVID shutdown. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing maybe the answer is something to do with communication, but what, what positive do you hope to see come out of how we interact business to business with business to customers? Um, is there a lesson for us to learn here and something positive that we can take away and change the way um, business was rather than just saying, let's go back to business as usual? Yeah, so actually it's not communication, I'd say it's culture. So this transparent this transparency part is key i think we'll see a, we'll see a much faster teardown of of walls um for especially for kind of court especially like corporate side of businesses um i think there will be a, a shared understanding that it, it's it's the the individualization of of uh employees within it within a brand and the brand's going to start to live with the employees more than with the with the company brand kind of logo if you like so ultimately people will have to let go i think they will have to trust teams they will have to you know know that you know again employees and the lawyer are both going to chat while they're, <laughs> while, they're, while they're in the kitchen and be fine with that yeah um, so I, I think that that'll be the drive trust i think the shared understanding of what we've all been through will help be the glue that makes that a lot easier to step into i think this is a great a, a great piece out of this um so and as a result of that, more trust with team, um, better hiring, more remote work, changing of work hours, potentially more optimization of work because of that, because people can be more efficient, um, saving. I mean, like, again, a, a lot comes out of this, yeah, but basically cultures will, company cultures will change and those that are more transparent, um, ergo more trustworthy, 
are the ones that are going to start to to win and outcompete um, the old school brands, I believe. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so this is the point in the conversation where I I'm like Jim, we're like three fourths of the way, ninety percent of the way through our time, and I've not let you jump in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick drink and let you uh, ask any questions that you had queued up, and apologize <laughs> no, again for, for for doing that. Yeah, no, uh, I, I see my job on here is getting others to talk. <laughs> um, so, but uh, I wanted to pivot the conversation a bit and move into analytics. So Matt, in our email conversations, you mentioned you've got a thirst for data and analytics, you know, that that's, you know, the, the core core of our business. So, you know, um, how does Bonjoro use data and analytics, you know, as part of the business? You know, because one of the quotes you, you had sent me was you're like, Every time, you know, I feel like every time we improve a piece of the funnel, we uncover three more things we don't understand well enough. Yeah, and this is a, I don't know if this ever ends. I mean, you, you can tell me. Um, but I think, like, and obviously as a business, you're growing and you're scaling. So, you know, data, things that, that, that maybe weren't significant measurements before suddenly become significant measurements. And obviously as your funnel improves, you know, the incremental changes you can start to make have a bigger impact. So with us, I think funnels are really, really interesting area. So bear in mind that we fell into this business and it wasn't something that we ever started. One of the challenges we faced was like, okay, right. So who, are, who are our ICP? So who's our ideal customer profile? Like why are people really using us? And then how do you track that? So marketing efforts down to channels that leads coming through down to how they come into website down to how those specific customer profiles go through the entire funnel down to lifetime value down to churn down to upgrade and revenue side and then from that feeding that information back to marketing which obviously is not, not something you can do within two weeks um so trying to get that funnel optimized for the right customers and trying to make changes at the top of the funnel that impact the like right down to the bottom of the funnel in terms of lifetime value um yeah, and then you start to break that out and you go, right, so when someone signs up for us being a SaaS product, it's all about product qualified lead. So mm-hmm. what are the minimal steps somebody has to make where we can, you know, um, predict that they will become a paid user? You know, what is that minimum? And then I say the minimal steps because the, the less hoops a lead has to jump through to become a customer, the better. And so, you know, for us, it's around like they have to do seven videos in their first kind of two days and they have to connect up to their CRM and they have to do those two things. And neither of those things are that easy to do. They actually both take like effort and input. So how do we improve a funnel to so that everything we do is driving those two behaviors, like everything we do? You know, it used to, it used to be like we used to be like, oh, 15 videos and this and this. And then we realized one of those we could cut out and didn't make a big, a big impact. And then we start to bring down the number of videos. Um, and so that will refine again. And if you know we can, if we can put it down and make it simpler again, even better. Or if we can find another mechanism that will also allude to a paid customer, then it allows to clean up our funnel. And then it also allows like business operations and efforts to focus on those users who are more likely to become customers. So, so again, give them the best shot, focus on them, and then bring them in, and then watch them and see how they behave over the next six months. And the ones that behave the best feed that back in again into the marketing and bring it down again. Um, I say it's like it's simple. It's taken us three years, and I feel like we are ten percent of the way. Like, like, so like, 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 as you get bigger, I'm like, like at the beginning, it was like, right, you know, um, turns out that anyone with 
leads as a good customer. And now we're like, okay, well, it turns out that people are in SaaS or education or in, you know, specific industries. Are and now we're like, right, educators in this niche, in this country, in this area are, are the best. Yeah. And you start to drill down and down and down and down. Um, I mean, here's the challenge I face. It's like, how, 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 how do you balance? So with data, how do you balance not going too deep too early, but going deep enough? Because as you know, you can get lost down these rabbit holes and then you end up to a point where the numbers aren't big enough to make a statistical difference anyway. Yeah, so what we typically do and and the funnels are such a great place to to test and uh, we set the expectation, I think to your to your point is that we're, we're never done because things are always changing. There's always always room to iterate. Um, but we recommend starting with really large scale changes because those are the easiest to test and have the biggest impact. That's where you're going to see the biggest uh, wins from a, a lift perspective. And then from there, it's about just continuing to squeeze out more and more um, from a from a gain perspective. So that's typically the approach that that we take is let's make massive changes. Let's find a version that is going to uh, raise our conversion rate the most, and then let's iterate on that for the next X, you know, and set out a, a, a roadmap to, to iterate that, uh, to continue to squeeze out incremental gains. Yeah, like for sure. I, I think probably the exciting thing about starting a new company is you have some, you have some big levers to pull. Yeah. And obviously the bigger the company gets, those yeah. levers tend to tend to, like, it, like it becomes hard to find those big levers. Whereas right now, like we uncover big levers on like a monthly basis and we're like, well, if we turn this, you know, we can like double, you can still double conversion or you can still double thing, which is massive. Yeah. It's like huge, yeah. huge things. It never quite works out that effectively. And some, and some huge levers, you put, you put this massive lever, you're like, this is going to change the business. And then, <laughs> then everything just carries on as normal, you know, but, but then maybe if you didn't do it, then, you know, the, the growth trajectory wouldn't, wouldn't continue. So this yeah. is a... Well, that's why you test, yeah. right? Like we, we think we think these ideas are going to work, but we never really know until we until we test it, and we have to be open to potentially being wrong or having forces that we didn't foresee impacting on how that that traffic converts through the funnel. Um, but I, I agree with you. That one of the things I enjoy working with new companies the most, um, especially from a funnel perspective, is a lot of them haven't even thought about it. They they put thought into the design and the look and feel of the funnel, but not from a user experience, what is the most ideal way to flow through that. And oftentimes we find very bulky and bloated um, funnels and we can go in there and say, well, have you done an analysis to determine that these 14 questions are needed to qualify this lead? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, Okay, let's start carving some of this away, and and let's see how quickly your your conversion rate jumps. Um, but it's also just as important as you mentioned to make sure that we're following that through. It's one of my pet peeves with um, conversion rate optimization is it's often too focused on the funnel itself um, and not the lifetime value of the customer. So you know we can con we can optimize um, a, a conversion funnel until it's it's running at peak performance but if it's not creating the ultimate result then we're we're, we're still losing in the end so um it, it's important that you kind of set that as part of a an overall funnel optimization strategy is yes we want to optimize the funnel but not at the cost of destroying the lifetime value of the leads that we're we're creating from that funnel yeah, I, I like so I, I guess kind of what they have learned, which is really important, is you need like have failure, like like almost like get get some test, like do some tests that like if you have to, but you know are, are likely to fail, 
um, and then promote that in the company internally and be like, look, we did this test, we put lots of effort in, it failed, that's awesome. Now, now we know that doesn't work because like we found things where we've like all the research points something to work and we've done it and it's like it's had a negative effect and we're like sometimes we don't even know why we're like don't know why but that's just the thing that's happened and you'll try other stuff where where you're like that there's no way that's going to work and you do it and you're like wow that worked massively and if you promote if you promote the failure then the team are like it's okay to fail like like i'm I'm fine with failure because because eight out of ten things we do are not going to have a significant impact but we won't find the two if if the team aren't willing to try the ten yeah, and that's, I, that's quite a hard thing to get to for most people. It, it it is, and it's something that we struggle with with a lot of companies that have invested heavily in in optimization platforms. Is we'll go in there and I'm, and and we'll say, you know, what's your biggest frustration with it? And it's like, well, you know, we run seven out of ten tests that uh, the control wins. Our our program is a failure. I'm like, no, this is exactly why why we're doing. It. In fact, Jim has a client that he works with, and we we recorded a podcast with him and I, I, I wish I had the quote cause he said it more elegantly than I'm going to say it. But he said, we don't even talk about our funnel optimization program as, as doing testing or optimization. We call it a learning program. And I'm like, I, I love that. Right. Cause it takes away that fear of like, if, if we knew that, that taking away a, an element from a form was going to improve conversion, why do we even test it in the first place? Just take it away. Right. So, we all our ideas aren't going to work, and and that's okay. And getting over that fear tends to create um, a lot more buy-in and and comfort in putting ideas out there that that ultimately are going to be big wins. Yeah, so and I think the so then learning that comes off that as well is strip everything back. So try and do the minimal you need to test something, and convert. Like conversely, I I don't think a lot of startups are good at this. I think I think. Even though they're a small team, they tend to go and build like the the version. And I'm like, you know what? Build 10% of it. And if you can get it out, get it out. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if it looks bad. Like people aren't going to care or they won't understand. But if, if it proves you and points you in the right direction, you know where to get deeper or whether not to invest because your resources are poorer than ever, you know to just stop that investment right there and then. So we've, we've now, we probably pushed up out earlier now than we did two years ago. And yet we're, we're a bigger team, big company, and we're pushing out pushing out stuff. And we'll say to customers, hey, look, this looks disgusting, so please just you know ignore that. But tell us if it works or not. And if people are like, this is great, then you're like, well, well that means if we go into the thing, it's going to work, yeah? Um, that's And that's going to be a struggle, I think, as, we, as you grow a team and you get bigger and bigger, trying to keep that lean aspect, you know, so it doesn't take you two months to roll out a, a, a test that might fail. You know, yeah. if you think about it, is is like how do you grow? How do you how, how do you do that? You know? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point. Um I think we could keep talking for forever, um, but I want to be conscious of our of our of our runtime. Um and I do want to give a couple minutes before we close out to to um give you an opportunity if if our, our listeners want to learn more about you or to see if Onjoro is a, a good match for their company, um where where can they learn more? Um, so like, uh, it says Bonjuro, get a Bonjuro, sign up, free, complete to start. Um, if you give it a go, you'll actually receive a video from one of our team. We'll reach out to you in person. So if you just oh, want to experience gonna, it. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, do so it. I won't, I, I won't send yours because you know it's coming, so I'll let, I'll let someone else get you. Um, it could be from the States or Australia or the UK. Um, you'll experience it, and then that hopefully kind of opens some some ideas and then te- here's the thing like testing yeah like we, t- we just talk about testing yeah 
don't need to go get the whole company involved. Just go and send out like 10 videos to leads or, or, or to X on a funnel. Yeah. Honestly, see if it if it has an indication that it's going to work better than what you're, what, you're, what you're doing right now. And if that indication is a yes, then chat to us and let's go deeper. Um, and we have like about 30 case studies of different industries. So I can maybe share that out. We have like a funnel playbook. Um, so you can start like spend half an hour on it. Don't spend, you know, a day. Yeah. Um, me personally, if you want to reach out to me, please do. I had a lot of help getting where I am. Um, if you go to LinkedIn and search for Papa Bear, which is my official title, <laughs> um, I'm the guy in the bear suit. There's like two other people. So, Oh, I saw um, you in one of the videos. Are you wearing the bear suit in one of the videos that I saw? Yeah, that's me. We, okay. uh, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, so awesome. hit, hit me up, like, please, like, if you have questions, but like most, whenever you say this, most people never ever hit you up. They're like, oh, you know. But like when I was younger, I was so cheeky. I would hit up like anyone to try and get to talk to them. And the amount of people who respond, they're like, yeah, sure. It's 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 amazing. So yeah, yeah, I agreed. Uh, I love it. I man, this has been an awesome conversation. I I really appreciate you joining us. We talked about a lot of uh, I think really timely and important topics and. I'm for sure gonna go, gonna go sign up and give it a go. I think it's uh, it's an awesome solution, um, and and recommend everyone else um, that's in a similar position that can make use of it. Go go check it out. So yeah, thank you for getting up early. Although you probably not too early from what you normally get up. I appreciate you spending an early morning with us. Um, sun's sun, just yeah. coming in. You can see it's not the head <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, we got a new gradient of sunlight in the in the background. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's it, you, you've you've woken me up for the day. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate the time. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thirty Three Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.